DJ and PK, it is time to talk NBA Finals with Ann Myers Drysdale, Vice President for the Phoenix Suns and the Mercury, and a broadcaster as well. And she joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah is in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is a solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. And good morning. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Good. We have, uh, we've been discussing there's a lot of parallels between uh, Phoenix and Salt Lake City. It's two teams that have been in the playoffs a lot and been to the finals a couple times, but never won a title. And I would think on the morning of Game 4, up 2-1, to one, there's a lot of nervousness. There's a lot of anticipation. There's some serious jitters amongst people who have no control over the outcome, but are seriously emotionally invested anyway. Aren't they? <laughs> The fans certainly are emotionally uh, involved. And, um, you know, that's what makes the games fun, too, because it was nice to see the crowds back after the pandemic. And um, certainly the timing couldn't be better going into the playoffs. And uh, I think Utah is one of the toughest places to play. Uh, Their fans are fanatics, which are fantastic that they support the Jazz so well. And, uh and quite frankly, the the Suns have that same kind of support too. So, um, you know, the, I was a big part of <clears throat> cheering for the Stockton and Malone years. And you know, Mark Eaton, we just passed. He just passed away. Was a huge friend of mine from UCLA. And um, you know, that was pretty sad. And I talked to Frank Layden about that, and he said, you know, the Utah Jazz probably wouldn't be where they were today if if uh, Mark Eaton hadn't played for the Jazz. And uh, so, um, yeah, they're, they're just on the verge, and they had some tough games. And uh, so the Suns have stayed in it, and they're in the finals. Yeah, I grew up at uh, I-17 and Greenway Road, so uh, I, I know the uh, Phoenix area. My sisters live there. My parents are gone, but my, my sisters are way into it. My wife's a native of the Phoenix area, and I was compared moving up. I moved up to Salt Lake here in 1993, and I've always compared here to what it was like with the Suns before the Cardinals, before the Coyotes, before the Diamondbacks. And, you know, it was the, the one big pro team was the basketball team and, and uh, how they really rallied around it. This, the, the, there's a lot of similarities in the community, so I'm excited to, to see the Suns. In my mind, as I looked at the Suns going into the season, I thought that all things, if all things went well, best case, they could finish fourth in the West. You know, I thought home court in the first round would be great. And obviously they superseded that. From you being up close, what are some of the reasons that I think, as far as most prognostications, they've exceeded them? Well, certainly as we know, and everybody will tell you that's part of the league, that, you know, injuries play a huge part of where teams end up at the end. And we were fortunate. Dario got hurt early on. He had, he had the COVID situation. So he sat out. Frank Kaminsky played in uh, some big games and started. Um, Jay Crawford was out some games. And, you know, that was early on for us. So we basically stayed pretty healthy. And, um, you know, losing uh, Dario to the finals was huge. Um, certainly we've seen the effect. And it's, it's tough to even slow down Giannis. Um, He's just a tremendous uh, athlete. But, uh, you know, for the Suns, they've got to continue to play balance like they always have. I think, uh, you know, certainly Monty Williams and James Jones has been a, a great uh, team themselves. And, you know, Monty and his staff, I think, uh, as far as 
is just keeping everybody emotionally in check, and they know what they have to do. And and when they pass the ball, and when they obviously make shots, I mean, they play as well as anybody. Um, you know, they had the second best record to the Jazz. Uh, they had the best road record. Uh, certainly, teams. What's great about the playoffs is you have an, an opportunity to adjust. And uh, I thought Milwaukee did a great job adjusting. They were desperate. They were down 2-0, and uh, they came out playing aggressive. They were uh, coming at you hard. And I think the big thing, Giannis is going to get his numbers. There's no question. But I think having Holiday and Middleton really step up helped them. And uh, they dominated the paint. They dominated the boards. They got fast breaks. But, you know, if we make shots, they're not going to get those fast breaks. If we are more aggressive on the, the boards, they probably won't score as much. Um, you know, when Bridges only gets four shots and the game before he had 27, you know, there's got to be a little bit more balance. And uh, so, I, you know, I know Monty and his staff is going to make great adjustments. I don't think Book is going to have uh, this kind of shooting that he had last game. And, uh, you know, again, just making adjustments. And uh, certainly the defense is going to be a key and staying out of foul trouble. So how much of it do you think comes down to the 50-50 balls, the offensive rebounds, coming up with the deflected ball? Because it seems like the first three games, I know the home teams won the first three games, and, and maybe that's the energy of the crowd partly, but it seems like the team that has won those battles has won the games, and it seems like game four ought to be the same deal. Well, absolutely. And as I said, with Milwaukee going back home, they've got their crowd behind them, and uh, certainly you play with a different edge when you're at home, a little bit more confidence and uh, at being down 2-0, they made some adjustments, and they made big adjustments, uh, certainly making shots. But, yeah, absolutely. All those are, are part of the game as far as deflections and jump balls and fouls and uh, boxing out and setting the right screens and getting good pick and rolls. And, um, you know, who's going to have the energy to go after it? And, you know, these are the finals. How many minutes are guys going to play? I know Aiton, uh, since that last game, is basically averaging 40 minutes a game. Um, you know, so certainly it's going to be important that he stay out of foul trouble. Easier said than done because Giannis is a very difficult player to defend in this league, as uh, Kevin Durant is. Uh, there are certain guys that, you know, Luca, he's another guy. But uh, Book is tough to guard. And I think uh, certainly the adjustments that Milwaukee did with Middleton and, and Tucker going back and forth and changing up defenses on him. You know, so what does Phoenix do to adjust to that? Holiday? put a lot more pressure on uh, uh, Chris Paul bringing the ball up. And, uh, but, again, if we, get, if we make shots, um, we're going to have the opportunity to not let Milwaukee run. Um, if they miss shots, we'll have the opportunity to run. So can we make 23s again? I don't know. But I don't think we shoot as poorly at the three-point line as we did the last game. What makes Monty Williams who he is? Well, that's just his upbringing. His upbringing and, uh, you know, the people that influenced him as, as growing up as a kid. And uh, certainly I know his high school coach, uh, Cap Hickman, was very important in his life. That went to Notre Dame. And just the coaches he's been around his life, uh, certainly the tragedy in his life with his uh, wife passing away in a car accident. And, uh, you know, he just, he knows what life is about. He's a teacher. And he's really understood. You know, he steps back and lets these guys be who they are. Um, what's been enjoyable to watch from afar is 
they're, they're, they've been like a high school team all year long. I mean, they all enjoy each other. They do things together. Uh, they're laughing. They're having fun. Um, and yeah, Giannis talks about it. You know, you got to have fun playing the game of basketball. Um, but certainly I think Monty Williams has been, he and James Jones have a great relationship, but Monty, again, being in San Antonio with Pop and, uh, being a, you know, one of the Olympic coaches a few years ago and just being around different coaches. And it really is a fraternity with those guys. And, uh, you know, it just, it's his personality too. I mean, he just, He's a, a kind man, and he cares about people, and he cares about the game and, and his players. And the, the one word that they've used a lot this year is trust. The players trust him, and uh, he, he's not going to divulge things in order to put them, you know, in the limelight per se. But, uh, you know, Chris Paul was with him at Oklahoma City and Willie Green, the assistant coach. And so just a lot of good connections with everybody. Ann Myers-Drysdale joining us, Phoenix Suns and Mercury Vice President and a broadcaster as well. So is there a sense that this is an opportunity that just has to be grabbed, that everything is lined up, the super teams have their injuries, and Chris Paul's 36, and how much longer can he play at this really high level? Is there that kind of, Has there been that kind of sense all year that this is the chance and you got to grab it? No, I, I think for me and... and Watching from the outside, I would say that, uh, you know, every year is you always feel like you got to go for it. Um, I think sometimes when players do get older, and we've heard, you know, the announcers say you can't beat father time. Well, that's true, but um, certainly LeBron is continuing to play at a certain level. And, you know, Vince Carter played till he was 40-something, and uh, Kareem played when he was 40-something. And certainly you change your game. I mean, Kobe played 20 years. Uh, you change your game, and uh, you can't do things that you did when you were 25. But certainly I think Chris Paul still is uh, understanding what he's capable of doing. I've never been one to look at a player that, uh, or anybody that uh, I don't look at what they can't do. I look at what they can do. And so certainly everybody has their, their positive things that they bring to the table. And I, I just think, yes, this is a great year. Everything's fallen in line for for both teams, and I'm sure both teams feel the same way that they're they're going. One of them is going to be the champion, but um, you know certain things play into the game. As as you talked about the 50-50 balls and who's knocking shots down, who's going to get into foul trouble, who's going to get hurt. Um, you know, there's so many other variables that happen, but uh, we'll have the same attitude going into next year, no matter what happens this year. And uh, I don't know who's going to be on the team. You know, contracts play a big deal on it. Um, you know, players want to go somewhere else or whatever. And, you know, there's so many other things that happen. So your late brother Dave played for the Bucks. Did you grow up a Bucks fan? I grew up a Celtics fan, actually. Um, my mom and dad are from Milwaukee. <laughs> and uh, I was a Bill Russell, John Havlicek fan growing up in Jerry West. We moved out to Southern California in the early 60s and uh, certainly watching West and Baylor and, and uh, Chamberlain and um, Happy Harrison. Um, and I got out of college at UCLA the same time that, you know, Magic came. And then my brother David was drafted by the Lakers, and he was in the, dra- uh, the trade that brought Kareem to L.A., and David went to Milwaukee. So, you know, obviously, you know, Bobby Dandridge and, you know, Kareem and Oscar had won 
the championship in Milwaukee, but you know, David played with uh, you know, Quinn Buckner and uh, Larry Costello was the first coach, and then Nelly came in, Don Nelson, and so Marcus Johnson, and um, you know, so yeah, it was hard not to root for the Bucks, uh, especially when my brother David was playing. So uh, for me, it's kind of ironic. Uh, the family is very excited about uh, both teams playing against each other. Ann Myers-Drysdale joining us, Phoenix Suns and Mercury Vice President, TV analyst. For the younger listeners who don't know this, you actually uh, not only dominated in college, you got a contract with the Pacers and got to go try out. It was a very big deal at the time. And I'm curious what how you view the progression of women's coaches now and the odds of an NBA team hiring a female head coach soon. This has to have been something you've thought about a lot over the years. It's interesting. I will say that, you know, when I had my tryout, obviously you're so young and you're just, all you are is focused on you. You don't have any idea what else is going on. Um, so when I was signed as a free agent uh, and had the opportunity to try out, it was free agent rookie camp. And it was three days, two a day practices. And uh, Slick Leonard was the coach. This was not something that he wanted, but it was a new owner. And Certainly publicity was involved, but I never looked at it that way because somebody gave me a chance. My brother was already playing in the pros, and uh, I was hoping to go to the 1980 Olympics. But, um, you know, you still had to be an amateur. But, you know, for me, it was an opportunity of a lifetime. I'd been the number one draft pick in the WBL, which was the very first league in this country uh, for women, and, um, but because I wanted to stay amateur. And then when this opportunity came, I felt it was an opportunity of a lifetime. Um, it didn't work out the way I wanted it to, but then looking back as I got older and after I played in the WBL and went to the superstars and got into broadcasting, I understood that, you know, there's other things involved and in not just being on the team. And uh, it's like anything in life. Um, you go for a job interview and five people are up for it. What's going to separate you? Who's going to make that decision and say, I want that person on the team or, or working for that organization. And so for me, I, I just felt that, uh, you know, what for whatever reason, Sam Nancy wanted me to try out. Um, and uh, I was had received a lot of publicity in Los Angeles with UCLA and my brother David and John Wooden. And so um, a lot of people knew who I was. And I had played at a high level. A lot of people say, well, you're not good enough. You're, you know, you're a girl. You can't play uh, at that level. Um, but I just overlooked that because of the kind of family that I grew up in. But from there, it, it just, you know, other women have tried out for different sports and so forth. And then there have been, I think Rick Pitino was one of the first to hire a woman as an assistant coach. And, uh, you know, we talk about that on the pro level, but we certainly don't see it on the, the college level, um, you know, as far as coaches hiring women on the, on the men's side in the, in the college level. Uh, but, you know, Becky's gotten a lot of publicity because of Pop, which is great, uh, but there's other women that have been on the bench, too. Jenny Busick's been in Dallas, and, um, you know, there's, there's been a few others, and also in the front office now. Uh, I think Susan O'Malley was the first president of uh, the, Washington, uh, the Washington Bullets at the time before they become the, the Wizards. And uh, so there are more and more women getting into the, the NBA does it happen? Uh, there's a few women in, in the NFL that are assistant coaches, and it's going to take a, an owner. It's going to take a GM and a coach. 
that are all on the same page to accept it and be confident with it. And the fact that Pop has such uh, seniority and respect in the game that people are supporting Becky. And Becky, Becky's been coaching her whole life. She's, her whole life she's been in the game of basketball. And so it doesn't matter what gender. Uh, it's a matter of earning that respect. And uh, it'll happen, but you hope that it'll happen for longer than a two-year contract. And I think it's very difficult for people in the front office to accept it more so than the players. And when the players know that you can coach and you're there for, uh, to support them and, and trust them and, and put your trust in them, I think the players are more adapting than, than sometimes the front office or the, the media and the fans are. So Shohei Tani switching to baseball has been getting a lot of run for hitting home runs and pitching. You know somebody very well, Don Drysdale. He had 29 home runs in the bigs. And you're like, what's the big deal here? <laughs> I know, isn't that something? But, you know, didn't they, they say, oh, honey, wants to, who's the, the big Japanese guy that came over back in the, the 70s, was it, the 60s? Oh, Sadaharo. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so I think he wants to break his record. But, yeah, I mean, just he's a big guy he's a, as a pitcher. But I think Donnie and, and uh, Don Newcomb hold the record for home runs for pitchers at 29. But, obviously, <laughs> that's going to be broken. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, had 113 ribbies, man. That guy, he he did yeah. it all back in the day. Yeah, it was. Uh, he was he was a good baseball player, and uh, I think the fact that being pitchers, it seems that pitchers really have a a knack as far as going to the booth. And I, uh, from my understanding, that Don always wanted to be a, a broadcaster, even when he was in his teens, and uh, when he got into the pros early on. So it wasn't something that because he was a baseball player, that he got to be a broadcaster. I think he always wanted to be a broadcaster after his playing days, and uh, he was fortunate enough to have a 14-year playing career with the Dodgers, all with the Dodgers, and then, uh, and then over 25 years of broadcasting before he passed. And who can forget acting on the Brady Bunch? <laughs> <laughs> well, he was in a few more than the, the Brady Bunch. You're talking about our era in watching that, but I think he was in a few more. And uh, like the, I think he was in the Rifleman and Leave It to Beaver and uh, the Donna Reed show, and so he did a few of them. <laughs> well, rather than really uh, leave you a little queasy with my knowledge of the Brady Bunch, I think we'll just uh, wrap it up right here before I start scaring people. And we appreciate a few minutes coming on talking NBA Finals and uh, and other assorted things, including the Donna Reed Show. <laughs> well, thanks. And I just want to put in, in one uh, plug for the uh, the Olympic team, not just the men, but the women's Olympic team is uh, pretty solid going after their seventh straight gold. And uh, Diana Trossi and Sue Bird for their fifth Olympic gold. And uh, they'll tie Teresa Edwards as their fifth Olympics, so yeah, I'm excited for the women in the WNBA and and uh, see what the men do in the Olympics, yeah. too. The summer of basketball. That's right. Yep. Exciting. And thank you very much. We appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Take care. Ann Myers-Drysdale, Phoenix Suns and Mercury Vice President and a broadcaster in the organization as well. All right, DJ and PK, Bob Casper, bump back a little bit to make room for uh, Ann there, and we will talk with Bob next about the Open, the draft, who's going to win. We'll make our picks, and we'll talk golf with him next. Stay with us.
The Top 60 and 60 is back on the Zone Sports Network. Get your college football fix every day at 1.30 as the Zone counts you down to the start of the 2021 season by listing off the top 60 players in the state of Utah as voted on by the local media. You'll also hear from the coaches as they talk about the players that will impact their season the most. It's the Top 60 and 60, weekdays at 1.30. Presented by Cypress Credit Union and ICON. On your home of the the best college football coverage in Utah. 97.5-1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. This UNA Golf Open Championship update with Bob Casper is brought to you by Mountainland Supply, Zions Bank, Black Desert Resort, and Get Some Guns and Ammo. Bob joins us now. On the Smart Rain guest line, it's no secret that Utah's in an extreme drought. That is why Smart Rain is a solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Bob, good morning. Hi, guys. How you doing? Good. You go to a lot of major championships, and I get in the pandemic, that's all kind of slowed down and all that. But over time, you've been to a lot of them. But the British Open, that's the one I, I think you've only been to it a couple times that I know of. How many trips have you made to the Open? Um, just a couple. Brian and I, the last time we broadcasted from there and were there live was in 2005 when Tiger Woods won. And, uh, and we got to play the golf course the day after from the championship tees. So that was pretty cool. But we don't travel across the pond very often. Um, but, you know, it's great to get up at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning <laughs> and watch it on television and watch it all day long. So in terms of <laughs> hallowed ground, how does it compare to some of the other places? Obviously, Augusta would be on the top of the list, but some of the other places that you've been in the world for golf. You know, the road is kind of interesting because, you know, they're playing at Royal St. George's this week. It's not a, it's not a, a course that most of the guys like to play. Um, it's, uh, as they say, quirky. Um, but, you know, when we went in 2005, it was the home of golf. It was uh, St. Andrews. And um, it was right up there with any golf course I've ever played. Um, and I think just from the tradition and the nostalgia and the home of golf. So uh, some of the quirks, I've actually heard players complaining. There's too many blind tee shots. And yeah. you just even if you had a good shot, you still end up with some funky lie. The ball's above your feet. It's below your feet, whatever. It's, uh, is that the main complaint? Yeah, you know, the hitting it down the middle of the fairway, you could have two guys that hit it a foot apart from each other. One guy uh, ends up really, really good, and the other guy bounces weird and goes into the rough or will go into the, um, you know, a pot bunker or something like that. So um, it's, it's just a weird golf course. It's got lots of bumps and rolls in the fairway. The greens have lots of weird undulation and bumps and rolls on them also. So you have to get... You have to hit good shots, but you have to have some luck to to win this week at the Open Championship at Royal St. George's. Do foreign guys, does this mean a little more to them or no? Yeah, you know, uh, anybody who lives outside the United States, the Open Championship does mean a little bit more to them. Um, You know, all the guys in the U.S. want to win the U.S. Open. They want to win the Masters or the PGA Championship because those are all contested in the United States. This is the only one outside of the United States. Well, Bob, we got to do a draft here. And last time we did this, you picked John Rahm with the first pick, and he uh-huh. won the tournament. So everything that came after it was blah, 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 because if you win the tournament, that's it. 
<laughs> that's everything. Yes, that's correct. Now, that's it. PK says we got to have a winner, so we're going to add up strokes in relation to par, and if your guy misses the cut or withdraws, then you get the worst score for whoever finishes all four yeah. rounds. So that, that's basically yeah. going to get you beat. PK had somebody withdraw, and that, that sunk his ship. So, okay. with, with that in mind, there's the ground rules. Uh-huh. John okay. Rahm is the favorite by a wide margin with the odds makers. You're just going to go John Rahm yep. right out of the gate again. You're the guest. You get the first pick. 100% John Rahm. I knew, wow. I knew you'd do that. Two majors then, back to back? You know, there's a few guys that have done that, the U.S. Open and the British Open in the same year. Um, and John Rahm has a new outlook on life, a new lease on life. Um, he's coming off a, a winning a major championship, and I think he's going to play well again this week. How about the pressure on that, though? Because now, I mean, it's not like he wasn't expected to do well, but now he's really expected to do well. Yeah, you know, there's there's a, a little bit to that, but I think he can handle it. He's been able to, you know, only been on tour, what, five or six years, and he's been able to win and get his first major championship. I think he's I think he's okay. I think okay. he's in the in the driver's seat. So, right. so here's the interesting thing. When you look at this specific course... American uh-huh. golfers don't win there very often. Now, John Rahm, we're getting so international here. You know, they're guys who grow up other places, but they go to college in the U.S., and they reside in the U.S., and they play on the U.S. tour. So a uh, guy is or isn't an American. I mean, there's something to play in a course that's different, and the U.S. tour is basically, you know, Parkland golf. So it, this is just is. really different. So we can't go with this strict definition of what is or isn't an American. Rahm R- 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 played college over here? Where'd he go? Yeah, he played it. Uh, uh, let me see. Some like uh, school like ASU or something like that. I, I, I Just some junior Harvard of the West. And low academics. <laughs> Harvard, Any, Harvard of the West. Anybody this <laughs> chair could get you. into it. <laughs> that's, okay. that's the party school of the West, not Harvard of the West. That's what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> Same thing. They, they party at Harvard. Yep. All right. Yep. Uh, because the international guys tend to do well on this course, I'm going to go ahead and go with uh, Rory. Give me McElroy. Okay. Okay. You okay with that? Because you love to tell me I made a, a bleeped up pick. No, McElroy's, McElroy's <laughs> great. He's struggling with his driver. It'll be interesting to see how he plays this week. Um, you know, he, uh, he's been up and down, and uh, he won, you know, about a month or so ago, a month and a half ago. He'll still um, so, hit. He'll still hit bad drives, but he'll be okay because the yep. guys hitting good drives are going to have bad lies too. So this is going to yeah, bail him great. out. Yep, that's my logic. I'll it'll talk be, myself into it's that. A good pick. Okay. Good pick. Well, my thought okay. is that you know he's gotten himself into playing condition, so he's ready to go, and that would be Brooks Kepka. Okay. What good do you pick. think? You think you buy I that like logic? That. He's ready to go. Well, you know. I think he's feeling his oats too because he was asked a lot, a lot about uh, you know the conflict be- yeah. between him and and Bryson and that kind of thing and uh, and he's just he's very confident. He said when it comes down to it, at the end of the week he's going to be in contention and have an opportunity to win. So he's not worried about it. So he's he's uh, he's kind of boasting a little bit. So that's right. a good pick. Yeah, I like it too for what it's worth. I know you don't care what I think, but. Yeah. If he'd been available yeah. in the second round, I'd have taken him. I would have. I considered taking yeah. him in the first round. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. All right, back to you, Bob. Second round out of three. Who you got? Z- Xander Shoffley. Mm. 
Didn't he just get married, though? I knew, I knew it. he did just get married. And listen. Women weak in putters. Time, <laughs> the, listen, but listen, the last time an American won at Royal St. George's, it was Ben Curtis, and he just got married as well. Okay. Okay. Well, we're going to something there that has it's a connection. Not, it's not often. It's not often that Rocky movies and the British Open can come together in one storyline. But you did it, PK. That's right. So good for you. That's right. <laughs> Rocky women weekend legs. That's right. K. PK. No, no not PK. No, it's PK. me. It's me. And uh, I'm a little worried. I'm going to go ahead and pick this guy. I'm a little worried because I feel like he chased it for so long, and he finally, like the, they always talk about the dog can't run after it catches the wooden rabbit. It's like, what am I chasing this thing for? What's the point of this? But I think he's ready to come back now. I'm taking DJ. Okay. He well, won a, he was runner-up last time in 2011 yeah. there at Royal St. George's. So, yeah, good. So before I make this pick, I want your opinion, because it seems like he's been in contention but hasn't been able to close the deal, and that's Gaptooth Oosthuizen. Well, he won the Open Championship at, at uh, St. Andrews. Um, he was right in the mix at uh, the PGA Championship and the U.S. Open, and um, I think Oosthuizen's probably a really good He's uh he's been playing well, and I wouldn't expect him to play any differently this week. Okay, but I'm going to go with Justin Thomas. Are you really? There you go. Yeah. See, I like that. I like that. That's a great pick. Justin Thomas is a great pick. Um, he's a guy that, uh, you know, he came over and he played the Scottish Open last week. Um, right. Had a chance to get, to kind of get in the realm of uh, Lynx golf, so I think he's a great pick. So. All right, your third-round pick. This is your last shot. Uh, for people who don't know, we all just assume this. Tony Finau is off the board. Uh, right. Otherwise, we would all pick him and, and suck up to him. And, we and like Charlie him. Hoffman, too. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you ready for my third pick? Yeah. I'm going to pick Jordan Spieth. Um, and uh, like, I said, like, like we've talked about before, he won... Uh, earlier this year, the week, a uh, couple weeks before, uh, the Masters played well there. Played has played well in in the majors uh, this year. Um, not really um, getting high up there, but Jordan Spieth in the British Open um, since he started playing it, I think in fourteen, uh, he's never finished worse than thirtieth, and um, he loves links golf. He kind of uh, really takes to it. So I'm going to take Jordan Spieth this week. All right. Uh, I'll go ahead and take Louie then. I thought PK oh, was really going to take him. I wanted him. But I, I figured he wouldn't go. So Why? I, I thought he'd be sitting there in this third round, so I would take Thomas, who was a higher, better pick, and then I would just take yeah. Louie in the third round. Yeah. Sucks yeah. to be you. I'm oh, taking Louie. You, you weren't going to take him I until absolutely I broke. was. Bull crap. Oh, my goodness. Bull crap. Damn, cat fight. Yeah, we're like DeChambeau and Kepka here. There's no way. You didn't even know he had a gap between his teeth. I don't care either. Uh, 
Okay, so DJ oh, took Louie. Well, now I got to go back and redo it, man. <laughs> you just got to pick your next pick. I, well, you I know, but I was going. Guys. I thought Louie was going, and he would still be available. I'd take him in I the third you guys, round. Okay, here's a couple people you like. You like Patrick Reed because he's cantankerous like you are. You like Patrick Cantlay. You've picked him multiple times. Could this be? I mean, there's some guys who are out there. Yeah, I know. I, well, yeah, there's plenty of guys who can are out there. Yeah, yeah. but who are realistic. Still- but I got to pick one foreigner. So that was another reason for the Ustas. And I went with two Americans, but I've, I've got to go I've with a with, foreigner. I've gone with two foreigners. You got to go with a foreigner? Yeah. I mean, it's over there. Yeah, it's, 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 and on this course, the, the U.S. guys don't win that often on this course. Probably going TK, back to what you guy, said. TK, there's a guy that's ranked number one in front of Rory McIlroy. Or he's one spot in front of Rory McIlroy, and that's Terrell Hatton. He's played some good golf this year, so he might be a guy that you want on that you want to think about. Well, I've gone the last couple of rounds of picking Hovland, so I'll shoot myself or be mad if I, okay. if he if he were to win and I didn't pick him. But you know, I've also got sentimental favorites like Paul Casey, Lee Westwood just uh, got married. Who did he marry? What's her name? They're his caddy. What's her name? Brenda? No, I don't know. Oh. I don't know. It could be Brenda. Yeah. And, you know, when you got those guys, Sergio, everybody loves. Uh, and uh, Harris English, I mean, the big win. <laughs> and, then, of course, you got yeah, Abraham Anson. I know, I know he's not. So, I, I, how about Justin Rose? I mean, how about that? So. So yeah, what are you doing? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. He hasn't said we got to go to break yet, so I'm just dragging <laughs> <doesn't>. it out. <laughs> <laughs> we got. I got one more thing to talk to Bob about. Bob and I have to discuss this and feel, and feel good about it. So. All right, go ahead, and then I'll. Make and my you pick. keep thinking. Yeah, yeah Bob. Yeah. How about a shout out for Daniel Camarena, the Padre reliever who got his first hit in the majors, a grand slam off Max Scherzer <laughs> with the family and friends there. He is not just a. He's a San Diego kid. B.S. He's from Bonita. He's from the same yeah, – so I don't is. know if he's from Bonita Downs or Bonita Woods. You know all the neighborhoods and all the developments he, down there. He may, have, he may have gone to L.B. Allen. I don't That's know. Exactly That's exactly what I was thinking. Look it up. I couldn't. Yeah. I tried. I couldn't find it. Oh, you couldn't? <laughs> I couldn't. Sunny, I looked. When I saw he's from Bonita, one, I was like, you know? well, yeah, where'd he go? Oh, that's interesting. I know. That stuff's yep. out there. Yep. All right. Is it my turn? That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. That's – You need my pick right you now? Ready? Uh, is it? Yeah. It's either now or never. Do I got like this time? Or, if, Go. or we could talk Go. more about Bob's hometown, Benita, California. No, I want to talk about Mapleton. Yeah. Benita is Spanish Go. for beautiful. Go. Uh, duh. <laughs> well, I know you know, but not everybody's. <laughs> Come on, PK. Tell us. So is Hermosa. Uh, let's see. I'm going to go with Tommy Fleetwood. Tommy Fleetwood. That's a good pick. I, I, I got to go with one in... foreign dude. Yeah. Right? He's yeah. Oh, I think you do. I think that's good logic. So, all right, there it is. Bob takes John Rahm out of the gate. He takes the favorite, and that would be quite the story. The British Open, U.S. Open double. We'll see if you get it, Bob. Yep. All right. Yep. You can go look okay, up Daniel guys. Camarena and find out uh, if he went to L.B. Allen Elementary, just like I you. I will. All right. I will. I will. He probably. He probably. He probably went to Valley View. <clears throat> he might have been. Yeah. He's got that attitude. He's got an edge. All right. Thanks, Bob. <laughs> And by the way, as Bob leaves us, we're going to give away another golfer in the Open Championship giveaway brought to you by Uinta Golf. Be caller 12 right now at 855-340-ZONE, and you will be paired with a golfer. And this golfer's name will be 
DJ, Dustin Johnson. There it is, my second round pick. All right, if your player wins, you'll receive the same brand of punter that's in his bag. It's brought to you by Uinta Golf, serving Utah golfers since 1971. DJ and PK, final word, your feedback coming up next. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. A reminder, The Warehouse, The Big Show, Friday from 2 to 7. They'll be broadcasting live. Join them there at The Warehouse. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. Boom, kaboom, boom, 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 boom. (laughs) Question of the day, what are some of the better what-ifs in sports? Well, if the queen, she'd be, you know. What if Kyle Beckerman had not been suspended for the CONCACAF <laughs> Champions League final? No, they're just torturing you on that. <laughs> well, the guy is an RSL man, so. Oh, maybe RSL he's Soapbox contributor, USMNT fan, <laughs> father and husband. They would have won the CONCACAF Championship. They'd have gone to the World Club Championship. Oh, man. It never ends. Yep. What if Urban's kids already knew how to hit a curveball? <laughs> Doug Fox sends that one in. You like that one? That's, it's just one. You know, I think he has two daughters. <laughs> Hands back, up the middle. <laughs> Chase sent in a funny one. I'll tell you off the air. I can't read it on the air. There'll be a meeting. But that was funny, Chase. I'll just give that a like. That was good. Um, <laughs> you, even you would be like, dude, you can't read that. So we'll move on. We'll try it. What if Barry Sanders was ever able to play for a real NFL team? He would have been good. <laughs> <laughs> Won Super Bowls? Well, football's such a team game, I, I can't say that. Yeah, and he was stuck with Maybe the Maybe he would have continued. Yeah. But he was great unto himself, for sure. Oh, here's a good one. <laughs> Chase says, what if Harleen dropped the ball? Obviously, obviously, I'm a Ute fan with forgiveness issues. Oh, man. Yeah, that would have been something. That would have been the biggest gaffe ever. Or if that pass doesn't make it to him. If it doesn't make it to him, then that's then just Then it's a, a long it's way to throw the play. ball and you couldn't get it there. Right. But if it hits him in the hands and he's right. all by himself in the end zone he and he drops it. it yeah. Oh, my gosh. Right. And then his name goes down. Yeah, it was a tremendous throw by John, obviously. But if it would have been a little left or a little right, a little short, no one would have said, wow, John, you really gagged. I mean, Har- you, Harleen still would have been famous, but this would have been the opposite. It would have, it would have been, the if the pass wasn't great, we would have understood. But if Johnny would have dropped it, in a sense, man, th- th- didn't, didn't Robin Williams make a movie about that? Yes. Somebody dropping a pass yeah, or something? Yeah, it was actually a half-decent <laughs> movie for a cornball thing. I think it was him and... Kurt Russell, the best, best of times. times. Yeah. Bakersfield versus Taft, which if you're from California. <laughs> I never would have got that. <laughs> oh, really? Come on. Well, you, you didn't live in the Central Valley. Did you ever go to the Central Valley that often? I've been to Taft Junior College. Oh, okay. All I've right, been then, to Bakersfield. Okay, then you do. Then yeah. you should get that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're right across from each other. So, yeah, I have. But uh, Sacramento looks down on Fresno, and Fresno looks down on Bakersfield, and Bakersfield looks down on Taft. Well, I can understand why <laughs> in all cases. There's, there's a pecking order in the Valley. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so that would have been something. The most famous play of the rivalry. Uh, we're getting one that we've gotten on uh, Facebook as well. People are saying, what if Drew Bledsoe never got hurt? That stays with a lot of them. Uh 
<laughs> this is this is a game that has a you've already mentioned the game, but this is a different what if for the same game. What? What if Andre Miller doesn't get hurt against Kentucky in 1997? And your what if was what if Alex Jensen is on the team instead of on his mission? See, but I blame Majerus on that. He blamed himself, and our photographer wasn't rolling, and I will forever, ever be grumpy about that. Because that team should have had Terry Preston on that team. And he said, in front of the media, before the cameras were rolling, as he rubbed the top of his head, (laughs) and I'm doing it right now with the hand coming over the top of the head down on the forehead, yeah. (laughs) I I really wish we had Terry Preston. Right. And my head... Snaps around at the photographer, and the camera's the ground. And he hasn't put, he hasn't punched record yet. I'm like, oh, oh, right. oh, there it was. We don't have it, and he said it. He's all he needed. Preston could have come in and run the offense. Absolutely, for five minutes. Absolutely, he would have been a senior. He wouldn't have been overmatched. He had tournament experience and yeah, confidence. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, he would have been yeah. able to do the thing. Uh, he would have been in earlier in the game for a few minutes, not for long, because Andre was so yeah. good. You didn't want to take him out. I yeah, don't think, I don't think they would have played together that much. Probably not. Not against Kentucky. But, but Terry could have handled backup point guard Absolutely. extremely competently. Yep. And they put in a freshman. And Majerus said it. I mean, he said it right there. And I was just, I was closer to him then than I am to you right now. Yeah. Didn't it, have it. It was obvious. All right, finally, we'll wrap it up with this. Greg says, thankfully, DJ stopped himself short of breaking down Brady Bunch episodes. <laughs> that time Greg lost Dad's drawings, it's still hard for him to talk about. <laughs> I don't remember the episode. Very specific. Do you remember it? Absolutely, I do. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> yeah, it was, a, it was a stupid, it must have been pay to play. I think they, get, they went to an amusement park in Cincinnati on a vacation for a meeting. It's the oh, most it's contrived thing. Famous amusement they, park. It's a little outside of Cincinnati. Yeah, yeah. and they, they ran a relay all the way across the... Uh, the park to get and the dad was working back in time. Yeah, dad had a meeting. Was yeah at the park. It was ridiculous. <laughs> so why was Greg having? They'd switch roles. Someone had bought a poster, and so he unrolled the drawings, and it was the poster the kids had bought because they'd switched containers. <laughs> <laughs> How you do you know this? True story. My no, start in radio. No, I, I regret my question. Too late. My start in radio. I'm a freshman in the dorms, and one of the kids in the dorm hall, Dan Kerman, who now does uh, is a news reporter at Cron TV in the Bay Area, he had a trivia show. And there was a guy who did TV, a guy who did movie, a guy who did sports, and a guy See who did tomorrow, music. <laughs> and I won so many prizes, pizza, movie passes. We'll be talking about the Suns-Bucks, game four. For sports, <laughs> that he had me down after two weeks, he had me down on the show. That's how I started doing college radio. And sitting next to these guys who knew the that TV music. a good game. TV, music, and movie stuff, I memorized a lot Can of it. Booker shoot well again? We'll have to see if he rebounds, you know, from his poor shooting performance and a lot of stuff to hit. So please, I'm begging you, come back tomorrow. <laughs> Classless Skip B.A. says, what if Frank Layden didn't trade Del Curry to Cleveland? Steph's born in Salt Lake, and he'd want to play for the Jazz. Oh, a la LeBron? Yeah, see? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one right there. A little bit of a reach, but funny. I like it. Yeah. In the spirit of what we were after. Exactly. All right, DJ and PK, we're out of time. Scotty and Hands are up next. We'll see you tomorrow.